0: Good morning, good to see you. And uh, my name is Josh, if you don't know me, one of the pastors here. And welcome to all of you who are online joining us today. Glad you can be with us. And I gotta tell you, I got to go up yesterday, spend the day with them at man camp. Uh, Great time, guys. Hopefully you can make it. We'll be going again probably in the fall for sure next spring. Um, But would love for you to come with us. And uh, trap shooting, zip line, ropes course, all kinds of food, great teaching, it's on John the Baptist this weekend, and just uh, biblical manhood, but would love to see um, all you guys join us next year. It was a lot, a lot of fun. So I uh, hope you can plan for that. Um, I wonder, when you were in school, do you ever remember when you were in elementary when the teacher would step out for a little bit? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you're, you're in school those days when the teacher, she'd just be like... Uh, hey, I'll be back in a few minutes, just keep working on your math, or read your social studies, or whatever it was that you were supposed to be doing. And then the minute she was out the door in the hallway, as soon as you could no longer hear her footsteps, all chaos just, it was nuts. Do you remember those days? I do, our our classroom wasn't quite like this, but it, it felt close to that some days. And I can remember there was a, a couple of us, we'd go, we'd stand by the door and kind of listen and pay attention to see if we heard footsteps. I was usually one of those kids because then that way I could get back in time and not get in trouble. That's kind of how I rolled. And then there were uh, some other guys, though, I can remember, uh, Troy and Paul and Scott and T, and they would get up. A lot of times we'd be playing tag, running around through, and there'd be paper airplanes flying sometimes or maybe an eraser from the chalkboard. Those of you who are in school, you know what a chalkboard is? Like before smart boards, it was all like manual entry on a big board with chalk and an eraser. It was, it was amazing. No, smartboards are a lot cooler. But, um, but those, were, those were the days, right? And then the other thing those guys would do, a lot of times they'd kind of torture the kids who were actually doing what they were told to do when the teacher left. Mostly the girls. The girls would be, you know, they'd be working on their worksheet, paying attention, uh, getting it all done, exactly what they were supposed to, and... Um, That's usually kind of how it went. Do you you remember those days? Anybody else have those days? Yeah, and just it was kind of chaos when she'd step out. But do you ever remember the days when she came back early? Unexpectedly? And you got caught? Uh, I I can remember uh, third grade, fifth grade, Mrs. Mangold, Mrs. Bolter. Man, they were the worst. Because, like, they they could pierce to the heart of a fifth grade boy with just fire from their eyes, and it was one look, and you knew, oh, man, please don't call my mom. Like, that's, that was the feeling, right? And uh, But then the, the, the girls who were working on their worksheets and getting stuff done like they were supposed to, they had no fear whatsoever. Why? Because they were doing what they were supposed to. They just sat there, ha-ha, I did it, did my work. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but... Um, Sometimes you can go through life busy with everything going on and uh, ready for just about anything except for Jesus to return. You know, Jesus, the great teacher, he too, he stepped out for a while and he said, I'm going to go away for a little bit, but I'm coming back shortly. While I'm gone, here's some things you can work on. Said you can be alert. You can be ready. You can pray for one another. You can love one another. Love one another well. In fact, that's how people are going to know that you're my disciples is based on how good you love each other. And not only each other, but you can. I'm sending you out to love other people and invite them to come follow me as well and be hospitable to one another and serve one another. And he said, I'll be back shortly, but you go do that while I'm gone. You know, that truth seems to be the focus of Peter's message this morning of of what he writes in chapter 4 of 1 Peter verses 7 through 11 and it's our passage today we're in week 14 of the New Testament book of 1 Peter we started it about five years ago and we're in we're in we're in week 14 today working our way through a few weeks left and we'll wrap it up Um, but why don't you read with me from 1 Peter chapter 4 starting in verse 7. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. With that, let's pray. Then we're gonna unpack these verses together today. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that it's true to you belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And uh, if not for you, Jesus, uh, we wouldn't be here. Thank you for your grace, your love towards us. And thanks for the instructions you left us of of how to live our lives, how to love one another, and to live so that we're ready for your return. Holy Spirit, would you uh, work through me and uh, even teach me as I teach your word today that we might leave changed and uh, more like Jesus, more attentive, more ready uh, with the things that you've called us to do. Thanks for Jesus. We pray all of this through him. Amen. Well, uh, Peter's message this morning is really he says, The end of all things is at hand. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Jesus is coming. He is. He's coming. The teacher's coming back. And I hope you're ready. He is coming. In fact, Jesus had said, said this in John chapter 14. He said, uh, verse 3 If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know, Jesus keeps all his promises, and he's going to keep this one. And he will be returning. He, he came once at his birth, and Uh, that was the day of salvation and he offered salvation to anyone who would believe upon him and one day he's he's coming again and on that day then judgment also will come with him but uh, the details of all of that not really clear I mean in terms of exactly how it'll happen exactly when it'll happen exactly where uh, some of that's a bit of a mystery you okay with that? I kind of appreciate what uh, another free church pastor, Larry Osborne, says. He's out in California, and he likes to say this, that, um, you know, God didn't put me on the planning committee, so I don't know all the details. He's just put me on the welcoming committee, so I'm supposed to be ready when he comes back. I thought, you know, that's a really good perspective, and that's a good word for us. And and really, that's what Peter's saying here. He says, the end of all things is at hand, in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled. Um, you know, Peter wrote this, though, how long ago? A couple thousand years ago, right? It was in a few decades of Jesus' ascension, and the, the end's at hand, Peter? Did Peter know what he was talking about? I mean, so many times people will, uh, some scholars uh, will, will criticize Christians' understanding of history and the Bible, and say, "What do you mean? This is God's word? How can you really believe that?" Well, um, I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that God, when He wrote His word to us, He wrote it through human authors. He used human authors. He used their their personalities. Uh, he used their experience. He used their knowledge, and through them, He superintended them through the Holy Spirit. Uh, to, to write scripture for us. And so we see their personality coming out. We see their expectations coming out. And, and Peter's expectation was initially that, uh, along with the other disciples, that when Jesus came the first time, uh, they, their expectation was, was always consistent that the Messiah would come, bringing both judgment on his enemies and salvation for his people, and so when Jesus shows up, they're, they're always, is this the time you're going to set up your kingdom? Is, is this the moment it's all coming? Because like we're going to get saved, and then you're going to, just, you're going to smack down everybody else, right? Jesus is like, that's how it's going down, right? And uh, Jesus would say, well, um, no, today's the day of salvation. Salvation has come. And what they didn't perceive is that there was a gap and that Jesus would come a second time where the first time would bring salvation for his people and for anyone who would believe, but the second time would bring judgment. In fact, uh, look at what Jesus says. They had come into Jerusalem. This is the week before, uh, the week of Jesus' crucifixion, excuse me, a couple days before Passover. And again, they're wondering, you know, Jesus, are you gonna set up your kingdom now? Salvation for us and judgment, right? It's coming, right? And here's what Jesus says to them in Mark chapter 13. He says, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, know, Nor the Son. Who is that? Jesus. He's like, he didn't even know exactly. But only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you don't know when the time will come. Now, Scripture gives us clues about things where we can be ready. But it doesn't tell us the exact time. I mean, can you think of people uh, over time who have predicted that Jesus was coming back? Every now and then there'll be like a headline in the news and the end of the world next Tuesday, 3 o'clock. Well, that just tells me I can scratch that day off because nobody knows. Nobody knows. He could come at any moment. At any moment. Uh, So be on guard, keep awake. For you don't know the time, when the time will come. He goes on, Jesus says, it's kind of like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and he commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. It's kind of like, a, don't fall asleep like Barney Fife guarding the bank, you know? Stay awake, be ready. For for you don't know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, Jesus says, stay awake. Now, multiple times when we've been uh, working through this letter from Peter, I've mentioned that, uh, you know, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Peter probably spent more time, uh, those three spent more time with Jesus and, and during his ministry than anyone else. I mean, he had the unique perspective of just being a close, personal friend to Jesus. And so often, we, we just recognize all throughout this letter, like little hints where Peter wrote that, that sounds exactly like what Jesus said. Or that sounds like something Jesus told Peter. Or, well, yeah, because they, they were friends. They are close friends. So it makes sense. And and what we see today is another example of that, of Peter referencing something Jesus had said to him, stay awake, be alert. And hold on to that thought because we're going to be coming back to that and we're going to see, this was a couple days before Passover, we're going to see another example of this uh, uh, the next day, the night before Passover. So nobody really knows the exact time the exact details. We can be ready for it. But trust me, you won't miss it when it happens. But we can be ready. And even Peter, you know, in his expectation, eventually uh, in his second letter, listen to what he says. Rather than saying the end is at hand, like it's, it's coming any minute, he says, but don't overlook this one fact. Beloved, this is 2 Peter 3, verse 8. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So what might seem be really quick to the Lord, and in what He's taught us, and in what prophecy tells us, just remember that that one day, that really quick return, could be a thousand years. So is this, are these the end times? Yes, they have been since Jesus ascended, right? But we don't know the exact. We don't know exactly. It could be a. Year from now, two years, ten years, a thousand years we don 't know, but he is coming, he is coming now, what explains let me give you just a really brief uh, side lesson here on on what helps maybe you understand why Peter and the disciples and other people's expectation in uh you know back in in the gospels was for uh, Jesus to bring salvation and judgment and all of this, like right now at the same time, when are you setting up your kingdom? Well, when the prophets would have something revealed to them, I think this is maybe a helpful way to understand it, is they would have seen it like in a, a two dimensional view. So imagine uh, you have just a, a beautiful picture of some scenic view and there's mountains out and, and trees and you can see off into the distance and It's just gorgeous. And and what you're seeing is um, the the picture you see is an exact representation of what's gonna happen. In a sense, when God revealed things to the prophets, I think uh, in a sense, this is kind of how he showed it to them. But one thing you can't tell from a two-dimensional image, you can see there's all these different mountain peaks, but you can't really tell the depth or the gap between them. And uh, theologians will call this the telescoping of prophecy. So a prophet would see into the future, God would give them a vision of the Messiah coming, like Isaiah, for example, and Isaiah would speak of him coming and bringing salvation to everyone, and then in the next breath would talk about uh, him bringing also judgment on people for their sin, and Isaiah didn't see it incorrectly or, or write it down incorrectly. He just didn't have a full perspective of some of those gaps between the mountain peaks that he saw. Does that make sense? And so it's called telescoping of prophecy because uh, just like a telescope uh, would kind of collapse and expand on itself so that two-dimensional image, there was some gaps in between. And I think that's the best way I can describe it. And so for for Peter, his expectation initially and the other disciples was based on that prophecy of Isaiah. And if you just read it at face value, you, you would see that too, right? The Messiah is coming. And when he comes, salvation for his people, judgment on his enemies, new world, new kingdom, new earth, it's gonna be awesome. He saw it correctly, but we have the perspective to say, okay, there's actually some gap between some of these things taking place. It telescopes out. And that's why there's sometimes some discrepancies and you go, how can he say he's coming back like right away and it's been 2,000 years? Well, that's why, that's why. But what I can tell you, two things, Jesus is coming and we're at least 2,000 years closer to it than Peter was. So, so it could be any time. It'd be great if it's next Tuesday, I'd take that. Well, uh, Peter says Jesus is coming and then he continues here in verse seven. tells us to be alert. Friends, Jesus is coming, so be alert. Be ready. Live ready, is what he's saying. Here's how uh, he words it. He says, therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Self-control, fruit of the Spirit, right? Right? Uh, sober-minded, thinking clearly and thinking rightly And these two things, uh, these two words put together uh, Just indicate like, like going about life Kind of like we saw last Sunday with, with your head on straight You know, uh, leaning into God's word, paying attention Not being distracted by, by maybe everything else going on But letting the spirit guide you And being alert and ready, living ready You could live this way with the newspaper open, paying attention to what's going on, or you could do this in your home, paying attention to what's going on, or in your life group, or at work, or whatever that is. And notice he tells us to do this, because the end of all things is at hand, therefore, Jesus could be back any moment, be self-controlled, and sober-minded, be alert, why? For the sake of your prayers. The NIV says, so that you can pray. And it's not necessarily like, so you're able to pray, but... So you can pray more effectively, right? I mean, you think about your family, your life group, some of your friends, maybe things going on at work. If you're paying attention to those people and those events, rather than just kind of praying, uh, Lord, I pray you'd bless Sally and give her a good day. If you're paying attention, you're alert, you're sober-minded, you can say, Lord, um, Sally's just had a rough week. Something's off. I don't know, she just seems to be having a hard Week, would you uh, show her grace today? Be alert, be sober minded for the sake of your prayers so that you can pray more effectively for people, for one another, in your group. And, and that, that's for individuals, that's for the world, that's for our community, you name it. Now, um, Paul connects these ideas as well of, of praying and being alert. Uh, he, he says in Ephesians, for example, chapter 6, verse 18, to pray at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, he says, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, when Paul here, he says it to the Thessalonians as well, praying at all times, be continually praying. He's not saying like you've got to be a monk and go sit in a closet and like cover your head and say all the right words in the right way, right? He's just saying like, keep keep that conversation going all the time with God. I mean, you know, that's, that's so amazing. We can pray at any time, in any place. You know, there's even times when I'm preaching or I'm about to say something like, in the back of my head, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, let this come out right and let me not sound like a fool or hurt someone, but, but Holy Spirit, you do this. You, you can do that even, you know, you get in the car, Lord, help me as I go. You can pray with somebody on the spot, either just internally yourself or just for them out loud. Pray continually. Be alert, be sober-minded. Why? so that you can pray, pray more effectively. Um, You know, I I mentioned earlier, we've often seen Peter mention something that he would have probably heard Jesus himself say. And this verse especially is no exception. In fact, uh, we already read from two days before Passover in Mark. Well, uh, the day before Passover, the day before Jesus' crucifixion, in Matthew uh, chapter 26... Jesus and his disciples uh, head to a place called Gethsemane. And they go to Gethsemane and uh, while they're there, Jesus tells them, he says, um, guys, uh, I want you to sit here while I go pray. Just, just stay here for a moment while I go pray. And he he goes a little farther and Matthew tells us that he takes Peter and James and John along with him, kind of his three closest friends. And they go a little further away. And then with, with those three, we read that that. That Jesus tells them, guys, I'm, I'm, my, my heart is, is, I'm full of sorrow, full of anguish. Uh, I'm anxious, e- even to the point of death, Jesus says. And he confides this in his close friends. I wonder, it, it just makes me think, on a little bit of a side note, if you've ever uh, struggled with depression, with anxiety, with, with any of those things, and you wonder, does, does Jesus really know what that feels like? Yeah, he totally does. He totally does. It said he, he struggled with it even to the point of death. Those are his own words. I'm sorrowful even to the point of death. Listen, he understands. He gets it. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. We we'll long for you to turn to him to bring those sorrows. Peter even tells us in the next chapter to cast all your anxieties, all your fears, all your cares on him because he cares for you. In chapter 5, verse 7. So know that he knows, he sees and he cares. But also I'd encourage you to follow his example because notice what Jesus does. He's, He's a little further away from the 12 just with the close three and what's he do? He tells them, he confides in them. Guys, I'm struggling, I'm full of anguish even to the point of death. Would you stay awake with me? That's what he says. You keep watch with me? And then uh, he goes over and he prays by himself a little while and he had asked them to stay awake with him. And he comes back after an hour and uh, when he comes back, he speaks directly to Peter. He came to the disciples, he came to those three and he found them sleeping. And he said directly to Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me for an hour? You couldn't you couldn't keep watch for an hour. Then he goes on, he says in verse 41, watch, Peter, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Peter tells us the end is near. You know, we don't get, we don't get recorded every single word of Jesus that he ever spoke, right? Or even maybe all the details in between the lines. In fact, John told us that if... If, if books were, be, were to be written, uh, it'd be impossible to write books that could contain everything that Jesus did. It'd be impossible. So I wonder even, as, based on what Peter wrote here, if, if Jesus just said, guys, the end is near. You, you, Peter, you gotta be sober-minded. You, you, you gotta have some self-control. You gotta stay awake and keep watch so that you can pray with me. Exactly kind of what Peter says, isn't it? The end is near. Be self-controlled. Pay attention. Well, this in this case, this happens again. Jesus comes back, wakes him up a second time, and then Judas shows up and he's betrayed and ends up going to the cross and dying. But there's no doubt in my mind that, um, that Peter had this in mind as he wrote these verses. And he tells us to be alert so that we can pray and pray effectively, especially for one another. Jesus is coming, the end is near, so be alert. And then these next three verses, he kind of outlines how we can and are to care for one another. Jesus is coming, so be alert. And in the meantime, while the teacher's away, here's what you're supposed to be about. Care for one another. Now, Peter gives us three examples specifically, and there's... There's more than this, of course, but uh, here's the three in this passage, at least. First off, he tells us to love one another. Look at verse eight with me. Uh, Above all, Peter writes, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Peter seems to be uh, quoting, or at least referencing Proverbs chapter 10, uh, verse 12, which reads, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers All offenses. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that, uh, you know, if I speak with the tongue of angels, I'm just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal if I don't have love. He, He just talks about all these gifts, and he says the greatest of these is what? Love. What did Jesus say? How would people know we're his disciples, know we're his family, if we love one another by our love for each other? And Peter tells us here, while we see that day approaching, love one another earnestly, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, obviously, Jesus' love for us covers our sins, so that's, that's really not what, uh, what Peter's talking about, that like that pays a penalty for sin somehow by loving others, but it, it does, in a sense, in the same way our love, when we love one another, it does, it does cover sin and keeps it from causing strife like hatred does, as the writer Proverbs wrote. Um, where love abounds, in the church, in a family, uh, small offenses, uh, sometimes even large offenses, they're just they're readily overlooked and they're forgotten. Now that's not to say that sin gets ignored or that it's covered up or just blown off, but it does mean that we forgive one another and we say, you know what, I, I love you. Wish I hadn't said that, but I love you. I'm for you, I'm with you. And I can let that go because I love you more than that hurt. That's, that's easy to say, isn't it? That's really hard to do. But as, as God's people, we're called to love one another earnestly. And then on the flip side though, when love is lacking, like every, every word is viewed with suspicion, isn't it? Like if, you're, if you don't sense somebody really loves you, or if you wouldn't, wouldn't sense even from me as I teach, like that, that I teach these things out of love for you, you'd be suspicious. What's he really, what's he really getting at when he says that? What's he, what's he going after here? Every action gets liable to be misunderstood. All kinds of conflicts come about. But no, Peter says love one another earnestly. And by the way, uh, when you think about loving one another, I have a question. Is it, is it easier to... Or is it, is it more loving to love someone when it's easy or when it's hard? I think when it's hard. I mean, when, when things are going great and, and I like you and we're getting along well, it's, I mean, it's easy, it's just going about life loving you, you know, no problem. But when there's some kind of conflict in the way, and then uh, I'm kind of I'm frustrated, doggone it, I don't, I don't want to love that person. I don't want to go to them. But then I read a verse like this, and I go, oh, really? Come on. Then I go, oh, I can't do that, because it wouldn't be genuine, right? I, I can't go love him. No, it's exactly when I ought to love him, because that's obedient. And in fact, it's even more loving. It's easy to love when, when it's easy. It, when, 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 I have, when I love and I have to sacrifice something to love, and even overcome maybe Uh, My own sinful desire of wanting revenge or wanting to hold on to bitterness and not forgive, that's more loving, isn't it? That's earnest love, like Peter talks about. Paul writes again to the Ephesians chapter four. He's writing from prison. He, He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love. Not only that, but it says in verse 15 to speak the truth in love. So, uh, first off, if we're going to care for one another, we've got to love one another. We're, we're sent to love. You are loved, but that begins like right here, doesn't it? It begins right here. Uh, the second thing, look at verse 9. Another way we care for one another, uh, Peter says to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Remember, this is all in the context of Jesus is coming, be alert, pray for one another, love one another, show hospitality to one another. What's that mean? Well, uh, one of the things it's, it's good to know, hospitality literally means um, showing, showing love or grace to the stranger, caring for the stranger. In this day and age, this would have been a big deal, especially like for missionaries or guys like Peter or Paul who are going around preaching. And, you know, they didn't have the Holiday and Express to stay at. They didn't have a bed and breakfast where they could get online and get on Priceline and get the cheapest deal as they pulled into town. Um, they had to rely on the generosity and hospitality of people within the church to open up their home and to let them stay with them and be with them. And so, hospitality was a big part of. Not only just the, the culture of the church, but even it was looked upon with favor in, in just the general culture in that day. Uh, in fact, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels, and they weren't aware of it. But what's curious here, though, is that Peter says not to show hospitality to the stranger, but to who? To one another to each other, to open up your home to one another, to do life together. Now, uh, this could have been pretty sacrificial in that day and age. Do you know why? Remember uh, Peter's writing to a group of people who are being persecuted for their faith, they're suffering. And if I'm gonna open up my home to, because you didn't go to church, you got together as the church, you did it at someone's home. There wasn't a church building around to go to. And so, if, if I'm opening up my home where people are coming to church, this small group, what's that do to me and my family? Big target on my house, right? Like, that's where they meet at his house. <laughs> so, that, that's pretty sacrificial to show hospitality to one another in that day. Not only that, but that's just essential um, to do life together, to be able to grow and to become exactly who God wants us to be. You know, uh, one problem uh, in the church as it's grown is that that sort of relationship, because we do, we all need friends, that sort of connection is harder and harder and harder to make in a big church. And when I say a big church, I don't mean a big church like ours, you know, of, of four, 400 plus people. I'm talking like a church of like 50 people. That's big church. Because in, in, in Peter's day, like uh, th- these were groups of families that met together in a home as a church. And as soon as you get beyond a couple dozen people, it's really hard to really know each other, isn't it? And to really love one another and to really care and to really pray like like the illustration some people give like, we're like Legos, right? And you got so many connections. Some of you are big Legos, some of you are tiny Legos based on your personality. But once those connections are full, it's just like, that's all I got to give or receive right now. And uh, Well, as the church grows, it's impossible for me to know everyone in the same way, for you to know everyone in the same way. So that's why we offer life groups, for you to get connected. Now, if you don't don't get connected in a life group, you're not like less of a Christian, but if you're not connecting some way, shape, or form with other people who can spur you along in friendship, even following Jesus' example with Peter, James, and John, if you're not connecting, then you are living less of a fulfilling and joyful Christian life. You gotta be known. You gotta get connected. And life groups is a great, great place for that. Uh, to, to open up your home. I like think I've told you, Hannah and I lead a life group just for uh, young married couples. And it's been a, it's been a blast. We've loved it. Um, many of you are involved in life groups. So that's just, it's a tool for you. And if that would be helpful for you, we'd love to get you connected some way, shape or form in a life group or you could have some of those friends, but uh, show hospitality to one another, love one another and do it without grumbling. Peter knows us, doesn't he? Sometimes I don't feel like anybody coming over tonight. I don't feel like opening up my home, a little bit of grumbling. But you know what, you ever found that even if you have a little bit of a grumble in your spirit that once you do it and you do it in obedience, those things kind of fade away and then you can do it without grumbling? So sometimes if you're, if you're feeling that, the, the answer isn't just don't do it until you feel like it, it's do it and then you may find you feel like it. But the, the third thing he tells us, to love one another, to show hospitality to one another and then in verse 10, to serve each other. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. This word grace uh, in the Greek is the word uh, charis. And it's related very directly to this word in Greek, which is gift, which is uh, charisma, charisma. It's the, it's the outworking of this grace in, in people's lives. Paul talks about spiritual gifts, and so does Peter. In fact, there's five different lists, lists, excuse me, of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Do you know, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, guess what? Congratulations, you're gifted, You are gifted. Like you have a unique spiritual gift, I think probably gifts, plural, uh, that that God has given you to build up the church. It might be encouragement. It might be prayer. It might be uh, not only just spiritual gifts, but even, even talents that God would use spiritually. Maybe you're gifted artistically or musically or even in just working with your hands and doing skillful work to to bless people. Um, What are some of your spiritual gifts? What are some of your abilities? What are some of your talents that God's given you? Well, he's given you those to serve each other and to serve other people. And here's what's what's crazy. Here's what happens is that as you use those, Jesus gets glory, other people get good, and guess what you get? Joy. You get joy. Joy. Uh, in fact, Peter goes on here, he says in verse 11, uh, that very, you know, stewards of that very grace, and then he, he says in the next verse, he says this. Whoever speaks, do it as one who speaks oracles of God. So in other words, if your gift is one where you speak using that gift, like maybe it's teaching or it's, uh, it's encouragement, it's evangelism, it's, it's prayer, do it with, with just a sense of, of, of seriousness and of honor that it's as if God himself was speaking through you and using you, using that gift to encourage others. Or uh, another example he gives, it: whoever serves, do it as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Not out of your own strength, you know, but, but with God's strength. The Spirit supplies you. Uh, and then finally, he says this, why, does he, why, why do this? Well, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. He says to him, to Jesus, uh, Peter says this about his friend, which is pretty incredible, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Do, do it for Jesus' glory, others' good, and your joy. Now, as, as we wrap up this morning, you know, if, if you call Wallacey Bible home, including those of you who are online, we, we have three things that we would call our pathway that we want to see everybody who calls this place home that we want to see you do. And it's easy to remember. They all start with a G. We want you to gather, to grow, and to go. So what do we mean by that? Well, first, we want you to gather. We want you to show up. On a Sunday morning, I think we'll see these on the screen too. We want you to gather, grow, and go. Uh, Gather, we want you to show up, to to gather with us regularly. You know, I know uh, it's been fun to see more and more faces come back, and if you're not ready yet, we hope you will be soon and that you can gather with us and join us. But you know, it's an important piece of your spiritual growth to gather, to be around other Christians, to be here for worship, to sit under the teaching of God's word. Um, and and to be a part of that. We want you to gather. So uh, maybe you'd use this as a little bit of an evaluation of yourself this morning. How are you doing at gathering? Are you gathering regularly? You're getting here, rubbing shoulders with people so that God can work uh, through them to work in and through you? Uh, The second thing we want you to do, we want you to grow. We don't just want you to show up, we want you to grow up. Right To grow up into everything Jesus would have you be, so how do you do that? Well, our primary way is for you to get connected in a life group to, to gather to, to get connected in a growth ministry so in a life group in, in alpha in forge in a, in a women 's Bible study going on things like the man camp retreat, uh, get connected with other people so that you can grow in a, in a growth ministry of some sort now our primary way to do that, and even the way that we schedule and orchestrate our calendar as a church is we, we wanna see as many people plug into life groups as possible, uh, but that doesn't mean that's the only place for you to get connected. Just don't, don't, don't rob yourself of, of being connected with other believers so you can grow. So we want you to gather, we want you to grow, and then what's the third one? What do we want you to do? Go. This one even rhymes, like that's so easy. Grow, go. We want you to go. Now, now we're not saying we want, we're like kicking you out of the church. We want you to go, right? We're saying we want you to go serve somewhere. We want you to get connected and to serve somewhere. So how are you doing on this one? Where are you serving with your gifts? Because friend, if you're a Christian, you are gifted. There's so many opportunities for you to serve within our church and outside of our church, but you're sent to love you've got to go and serve and get plugged in somewhere what are you doing with those gifts are you being a good steward of it like Peter said of of the very grace God's given to you you know you've got some gifts I don't have I've got some gifts you don't have and together all of us make this great tapestry of God's people that brings glory to Jesus good to others and joy to us so uh, with that in mind Uh, Let me give you a couple examples of places you can serve. I'm going to invite uh, Steph Brown to join me on stage. Steph is our director of kids ministry at Wawasee. And uh, Steph came on in this role a little over a year ago, February, right, of 2020, just in time for COVID. And so she was like, I want a challenge, Josh. I'm like, hey, we got one for you. And then God said, I've got another one for you. But Steph's done a great job leading our kids' ministry. Super, super grateful for you and for what you do. Um, but tell people if they, wanna, if they wanna serve and connect maybe with kids' ministry, how could they do that? Or tell us a little bit about what's going on back there.
1: Okay, so kids' ministry, first off, um, we have really grown back there. Um, even through COVID and everybody coming back, We are averaging about 25 to 35 kids back there per service. Um, So we are really growing, which is great. Um, But with that, we could use some more help. So um, there's something for everybody. Uh, In the nursery, if you can sit and hold a baby, we have got a ton of babies who have started coming into the nursery. Um, So you can sit and rock a baby um if you like to just welcome people um as they're coming into the kids wing we have check-in um you're the first friendly face that people get to see on a Sunday morning back there um so that could be something you could do um we're also looking for pre-k and k teachers uh with that group they're a fun group they're Full of energy. My Um, son's part
0: of that group. I can attest to that.
1: (laughs) And I have Stephanie and Felicia and Ava down here. They help with that group. They're down. They're shaking their heads. They're fun though. Um, You get to teach them. You get to play with the brand new toys in that awesome room. Um, So that's somewhere you could plug in. I'm also looking for some small group teachers for grades one and two, and grades three and four. So if you just want to get to know kids, build a relationship with them, um, and just kind of talk about the lesson for that day, that'd be a great place for you to plug in as well.
0: Yeah, and so there, there are, to encourage you, there are a lot of you serving in different places already, but there's also uh, room for more, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. In fact, uh, the goal with Kids Ministry, if we could get about uh, anywhere from 15 to 18 more people between nursery and kids, Uh, we would have enough where everybody would serve one service per month. So you could serve the first service, attend the second one. Attend to the first one, serve the second one. And that's kind of the idea that if you're serving back there, you attend one of the services, gather, right? Gather, Grogo, that that you're still gathering with us on one of those two services, and then you can serve in the other one. And uh, so if they want to get connected, Steph, they can find you after the service today?
1: Yes, I will be, I'm normally floating around in the kid's wing right in the check-in area. Uh, Flag me down and we can talk more.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Steph, we're thankful for you. Um, Also, if you're interested in serving, but you're like, "Ah, I don't know about kids ministry, um, there's so many other opportunities. In fact, if you go, get online, go to wawaseebible.com backslash go. Uh, There's an application there that we ask anybody who serves, some of you have filled that out, uh, just to fill out to apply and you can choose from lots of different opportunities to serve. And we'll get back in touch with you within a couple days and give you a phone call, get you connected. Um, We kind of joke too, if you're unsure about kids ministry or student ministry or something like that, we would say, well, hey, do do you love Jesus? Like, okay, check. Okay. Do you like kids? Not do you love them? Do you like them? Then you can be like, okay, yeah, maybe I should check out kids ministry or student ministry or whatever that is. And again, the goal is uh, there's been some who've had to serve a lot of extra time uh, and just kind of too much, but we're a big enough church. We got enough people to, to staff this if everybody gets involved some way, shape or form. So uh, I got to tell you, Wawasee Bible will never feel like home until you're serving or, or any church for that matter. So if you're here checking us out, we're glad you're here. That's awesome, but if, you're gonna, if you stick around, uh, man, we want you to serve because it's, it's for your joy. It's for your joy. That's what God designed you to do. he gave give you a gift for it. Uh, one other opportunity briefly, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Calvin, why don't you kind of join me as well. Uh, this coming Saturday, just outside our wall, is an opportunity for you to serve. We're sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Um, and so this coming Saturday, we have an opportunity to serve uh, around uh, our campus, out in the community at Rose Garden, uh, possibly another opportunity we're working on in Milford. Um, tell us just briefly, Calvin, about that opportunity Saturday, what, what they could do.
2: Yeah, so um, we are, we've done some work at the Rose Garden home in the past, and, and uh, we, as, as the outreach team kind of met, we wanted to do a, a service day, and uh, it had been brought up that Um, There's always a cleanup day around the church as well. And so we thought, hey, we combine them and just get, uh, you know, hopefully have everybody show up and have a good turnout. And I want to encourage you, if you're afraid that there's not going to be anything to do, I was talking with Bart this, this week, and I don't know what all he's got planned. I'm trying to stay out of that. I got enough on my plate. But he said if he had 30 people show up, he could keep them busy just here, Cleaning up the grounds, making it look pretty around here, making sure stuff's ready uh, to mow, um, getting flower beds in shape, all that sort of stuff I'm sure is part of it. But it, just so our building looks nice when people come, because if it's run down and there's weeds in the flower beds and nothing's cleaned up and the parking lot stones are all over the place, people notice that when they come. And it, it's important for people to feel welcome and feel like they're coming to a place that we care about. And and. That, that helps people feel like it's a good place to come and helps them come in. So there's that opportunity. And then at the Rose Garden Home, I'm really hoping we can do some outdoor cleanup work at both campuses that they have. They have a, a recovery home that's north of Syracuse as well as a graduate home in the south of Syracuse. And it's going to be a lot of the same type of thing. We're going to be cleaning up flower beds, possibly spreading some mulch. Um, there's some um, just downed uh, limbs and trees that will probably pull together, make a fire, um, all sorts of stuff that's outside, uh, to do and just clean it up and make that space beautiful for those women who are trying to get their lives back together and, uh, and turn a corner and, and have them be in a place they can be proud of. And I could keep 20 people busy there pretty easily. Um, and, uh, we also have one other opportunity that I'm pretty sure is coming together. Um, I'm not 100% sure, so I'm not gonna share the details, but uh, it's gonna be the same type of thing, outdoor work, cleaning up yard yard work type stuff. So that's the kind of tools that you would need to bring. And I also wanna encourage you, if, if you say, oh, I just can't do the outside work, we could use people taking pictures, helping to serve drinks, just being there for conversation. Mm-hmm. Because here's one of the things, at our last church we did a lot of this type of, of outreach, stuff and um i always got more out of it built relationships with other people that i went to church with and didn't know Mm -hmm. well or just um what i found too is we don't go out in our own power in our own you know just doing nice things but you said one it's been maybe three or four weeks ago you said we're sent to love people because god first loved us yeah not, not because we're great people, but because he's filled us. And if you've experienced God's love and he's filled you with his love, the only way to get more of it is if you start giving that love away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he will refill it. You're not going to be empty. In fact, I, I, I will guarantee that if you come and serve, you will leave more filled than you, than you came here. And it's, just, it's counterintuitive, but it works, I promise you. Yeah, that's true. And um, so, yeah, the plan is we're going to meet here at the church parking lot or maybe even inside, I'm not sure exactly those details, but we'll meet here at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. If you could come for an hour or two, great. Love to have you. If you can come for all three hours, even better. Um, but we're just going to meet here, kind of gather together, have a little bit of instruction and disperse and, and go um, not work too hard, but do a little work and, and give each other a hard time and have some fun and get to know some people and and uh, do some good at the same time.
0: All right on. Thanks, Calvin. So yeah, I encourage you, if you're available Saturday, we'd love for you to come. And we'll be doing it again in the future. And uh, if you've got a You Are Loved shirt or a Sent to Love shirt, maybe wear those. We'll have the extras of those on hand to give away if you need one. Um, order more in the future. But hey, how are you doing at gathering? How are you doing at growing? How are you doing at going? I want you to do all three. For God's glory, your good, others' good, and your joy. With that, Let me pray and we're gonna sing and call it a morning.